Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. So today is Father's Day, in case you hadn't figured that out by now. And although it's not a church-approved special Sunday, we often find ourselves weaving it into our preaching schedules in some years anyway. And Rick did such a great job with his Mother's Day sermon that I kind of felt compelled to make sure our dads got fair and equal treatment. So I'll talk about fathers in today's message. And in case you didn't get one, we do have a small gift for all the men not just those that are fathers, uh, with us today. So it's a small token of our appreciation for those among us who have been or may be men who help shape our future generations. So please make sure you get one. Um, Because being a dad in today's world isn't always easy. It takes strength and courage. So know that we're here to support you in any way we can. But most importantly, Through prayer, we do pray for our fathers each and every day. Now, since Rick shared the humble beginnings of Mother's Day, which was started by a Methodist woman, I want to share how Father's Day got started. Now, there are actually two coinciding Father's Day stories, so I'm going to start with the first one. On June 19, 1910, the first Father's Day service was held at the Spokane YMCA in Washington, organized by Sonova Smart Dodd. Her father, William Jackson Smart, was a Civil War veteran who was left raising his six children all by himself. She had heard about the Mother's Day celebration that had been started in the past years, and she wanted to honor her father and those other fathers who had been there for their children as well. So through her efforts and For some reason, it took an extremely lot longer time to get this recognized than Mother's Day, but Father's Day eventually became a nationally recognized holiday too. Now, the second Father's Day story is not quite as happy. In 1908, so this would have been before the service in Spokane, there was a Father's Day service held for a different reason at Williams Memorial Methodist Episcopal Church, say that five times, in Fairmont, West Virginia. A young lady by the name of Grace Golden Clayton had the idea of a service for the fathers of the town and surrounding areas following the Monongah mining disaster that killed 361 men, 250 of which were fathers, leaving around 1,000 children fatherless. They decided to honor all the fathers during the service, so technically you could say it was the first Father's Day service, but definitely not for the same reason as the Spokane service. And I believe if they had already had an actual designated Father's Day like we do today, it would have been a little harder to celebrate. Now this is my first Father's Day without a father. As most of you know, my dad died this past March. And I know there are some of you listening to me now that have also lost their fathers recently, and today is probably not the happiest of days for you. So please know my heart is with you. But as I've told some of you, my relationship with my father was complicated. When Father's Day rolled around every year, I spent hours looking for the right card 
because quite frankly, I didn't want to lie and send the best dad ever card because he wasn't the best dad. Until the last few years of his life, he wasn't very kind. He was distant and judgmental. He could be a bully. If you didn't agree with him, then you were the enemy, and he never wanted to talk to you again. He spoke with curse words, dotting his conversation, using terrible words as a period to end all his sentences. He seemed angry a lot, and he could blow up in an instant. How could I send a number one dad card? But there was another side to him. The dad that celebrated your accomplishments and came to all those performances. The dad that would help anyone in any way he could, would go out of his way to let even strangers have food and somewhere to lay their head at night, even when my mother might not be too happy about that part. The dad that made sure our needs were taken care of, that we had the money we needed to pay our bills and have the basic necessities. The dad that said, I love you, and we knew he meant it. Like I said, complicated. Now, maybe your relationship with your dad is or was complicated too. I think that's rather normal. (laughs) I would always look at other people's dads and think, I wanted a dad like their dad. But as I've grown older, I've come to realize that we all kind of do that to some extent. So as we talk about our dads this morning, I wanted to take a look at one of the best dads in the Bible and compare that with the father in the prodigal son parable, who isn't a real person, by the way. As we look at the traits of the man God chose to be the earthly father of his son, maybe our dads out there can use Joseph as a model to help shape how they embody the role of father for their children and maybe even be encouraged that they might be doing an okay job after all. Then as we look a bit deeper, maybe all of us can be a little more forgiving and understanding when our real fathers don't measure up to those high standards that we as children might try to hold them to. And maybe we can develop a better relationship One, that's less complicated. So let's dig in. Now, we usually only talk about Joseph during Advent and Christmas. But if we want to talk about fathers in the Bible, Joseph is really a good place to start. I mean, have you read the Bible and taken notice of all those dads? There's tons of them. And the Gospel of Matthew actually begins with the genealogy of Jesus. So there's lots of fathers in that first chapter. And some are good some not so good. There's kings, there's businessmen, shepherds, warriors, farmers, and at least one carpenter. Fathers who have loved and cared for their children. Some who have killed their children to keep power. One who sacrificed a child to another god. Some who have been deceitful, tricked others out of their birthright have slept with their own daughter-in-law, along with others who have stolen someone else's property. Yes, more complicated dads. Even Jesus was not immune to having complicated families. So maybe my dad wasn't so bad after all. And at the end of this list is the one man in all history that God himself selected to be the father to his son, Joseph. So what was it about Joseph that made him the best dad for Jesus, for the Messiah, the one who would save the world? Well, Matthew introduces Joseph to us and spends way more time talking about Joseph than Mary. 
Mary was found to be pregnant, and Joseph was a righteous man, not wanting to expose her to public disgrace. And here we see the picture of a man who is loving and compassionate. He wants to do the right thing in the eyes of God as well. His compassion makes him want to protect Mary. He knows that the full extent of the law could mean that she would be stoned to death. He loves God and is fully committed to God, which means for him following the law. But he knows in his heart that her death would not be the right thing. He's a man who seems to understand that the law was meant to be a foundation for following the great commandment. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Not just a list of rules to enforce without compassion. Joseph is a man who is humble and righteous, meaning he knows and loves God and seems to have a solid relationship with his heavenly father. When he is given that dream, he immediately obeys. He understands that God has called him for just this moment to protect Mary, the mother of God's son, and that precious baby. He gladly accepts that responsibility, knowing that God is with him and with this new little family, even if it might seem to the world that they aren't following the law at all. They will be persecuted by those who don't understand or believe. Joseph will be laughed at for taking Mary as his wife, yet it doesn't seem to matter what others think. Joseph knows that God has chosen him, and God knows the truth. That man God has chosen to be a father to his son is a man who has a good relationship with God, who knows God and is known by God, who is trustworthy and reliable, who trusts that God will be with them and will keep his promises. It's a two-way relationship. If you want to be a good father, or if you want to know if your father has the beginnings of greatness, take a look at their relationship with God. Having a solid relationship with God is the most important trait of a good father. Now, the passage I chose about Joseph this morning is the passage where God comes in a dream again to give Joseph instructions. One thing we notice in all the passages about Joseph in those dreams is that he never hesitates. He is obedient and just does what God tells him to do. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. He doesn't need to explain. He follows God without question. Well, maybe he did have questions. We don't know. But even as he asked those questions, he still did what God asked him to do. He was faithful. And no matter what God asked him to do, he followed wherever God would lead, even when he wasn't sure where that would be. Another great trait of a father is to do what God asks us to do. Our Bible sets out a way of living for those who follow Christ. Now, we don't always get it right, but a good father will be a model for his children and do their best to follow Jesus and how they live their lives. So we have two traits so far, a solid relationship with God and follows Jesus and how they live. If you want to be a good father, just these two traits alone will take you very far. Now, Joseph also did everything he could to watch over and protect Mary and Jesus. His love for them was sacrificial and strong. He was willing to give up everything for their safety. He gave up his reputation. 
He gave up his own dreams of what his future would be like. His focus was the well-being of his family, no matter where that would take him. Sacrificial love, putting our family before our own interests. See, I sometimes wonder if Jesus saw this trait in his earthly father, and it helped give him strength for his ultimate sacrifice. Joseph was a model of sacrifice for the Savior of the world. It's hard to live up to that, right? Now, I want to move to the father in the story of the prodigal son for a minute. We know that the father in this story is an allusion to God, our heavenly father. The word prodigal means extravagant or excessive. And most commentators believe it really should be used to describe the father and not the son. You can argue that the son was extravagant and excessive in how he spent all his money and time once he left home. But I do believe it's more relevant to describe the extravagant love this fictional father has for this wayward child. And we could certainly talk about this parable for a month of Sundays, but I wanted to highlight just this one part of the story where this wayward child is returning home. And it might be hard to see at first, but Joseph and this father have a lot in common. This prodigal father does the loving thing and does what he can to protect his son. Luke 15, 20 tells us, But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Now, most of us don't really understand the implications of this one little verse. It just seems to us like a hallmark moment where we can picture in our minds two people in love running in slow-mo toward each other until they finally embrace and all is right with the world. But there's more to it than that. Like Joseph, this father needed to protect his son from the letter of the law. Deuteronomy 21, 18 to 21 says, If someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father and mother, and then there's stuff in between, but the crux of it is they are to be taken to the town gate and stoned to death. Those town people would have known the terrible way this son treated his father, and they would have been indignant. If they got to him first... They would, according to the law, have been justified in stoning him to death. But this father runs to get there first, puts his arms around his son and kisses him as an act of restoration and forgiveness. So like Joseph, he understands the law is a law of love, not just rules to follow. And he too sacrifices his good reputation and the future he had planned just to give his son a future. A good relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, living a life that's pleasing to God, a life lived in the love of God and our neighbor as ourselves, and sacrificial love that puts others first. This is exactly what we see in good fathers, like Joseph, like this prodigal dad. Great examples for sure. And I know it's not so easy to live up to all that. And on the cross, Jesus showed us once again what the sacrificial love of our Father looks like. He gave up his life so the children of God, you and me, could have a future. And all through his life, he showed compassion and mercy to everyone he met. 
These are the marks of a good father, but also a good human being. When we put our faith in Christ as our Savior, we become part of a larger family, the family of God. We are God's children, so we have God as our father, but we also have the responsibility of being father and mother to those around us. Sometimes our earthly fathers fail or fall. Don't we all make mistakes? How do we judge someone when we can't possibly walk in their shoes? My dad had a difficult time growing up. His own mother told him he messed up her life just by being born. He could never be worthy of her love, no matter how hard he tried. But he did love us, even if it wasn't perfect love. I think he did his best. I believe it would have been easier for him if he had had that solid relationship with God and truly tried to live the way God asked us to live, but we won't know. So what about your dad? How can we encourage our fathers to be solid men of God? Do we need to forgive any sort of mistake and learn to love unconditionally and sacrificially ourselves? How can the fathers out there strengthen their relationship with God to leave that lasting legacy for their children? And can all the men out there become a model of a godlike father, like Joseph, to those around us that don't really have a strong father figure in their life? So celebrate all fathers today. We do have some great fathers among us that have taken on that responsibility and done a great job. Thank them for their example and their love. But love all our dads and encourage them as they work out their faith with compassion and care. And please pray for them. Dads, be strong and courageous. God is with you every step of the way. And I want you to hear this. God chose you to be the father to the children that you have. He chose you. There must be a reason for that. So walk with God and learn to love, even in the worst of situations. All of us will be blessed if we do. So thank you, dads, for taking on the responsibility. And thank you for those who have taken on the responsibility of being a father to others around you. Taking the step to be a good father is an amazing act of sacrificial love. So let all the world see the Father's love in you. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we do lift up our fathers to you, the ones that are here and the ones that are not here. Lord, we thank you for their presence in our lives, even when it's been complicated. We thank you for the gift of who they are. Lord, we lift up those that are struggling with doubts, that maybe they're not doing a good job, that they don't know how. Remind them that you are with them every step of the way and that you only need to start with love. Because in the end, love is really all that matters.